Grassroots Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley. Underwriting for Grassroots ProBlind series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by A&B Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment, and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs. A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on ProBlind, because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local, in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the Donate button on your next visit to grassrootstv.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootstv.org, as well as on Cable Channel 12, Up Valley, Cable Channel 82, Down Valley, and Free TV Channel 12.1, over the Picking County Translator System. Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage. Uh, well, our daily welcome. Thanks for coming to Grassroots. Thanks, Brent. Um, I apologize that you have to go through this uh, process, apparently. Apparently, you have to talk to me if you want a, another four years on council. This is, <laughs> this is just opening the door. The next couple of weeks, is, yeah. it's all over the field, yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't have been surprised, Art, if you had said, okay, that was good. Four years of public service. Uh, I'm good. I'm out. Thanks, everybody. Uh, but you're signing up again. Yeah, the truth is... Uh, I looked at it initially like you thought I might. Um, and uh, then I just, the more I kind of thought about it, did a little thinking inside, I realized that, uh, God, it, it had taken me at least two years to get my feet wet and to get a sense of how it works and what my role is. And um, I kind of came to the conclusion that, you know, maybe uh, I ought to take advantage of what I've learned and try to uh, add some value with that because I really have learned a lot about myself and about, you know. About asthma. About asthma. I thought I knew a lot before. And just, I'm just warming up. It seems like a hard job to me. I was telling Steve uh, Skadron when I talked to him that I figured I'd probably last about 10 minutes before I said something mean or sarcastic or, or ruinous to my reputation and my political career. Um, because it's a frustrating form, it strikes me, and one that requires a great deal of patience. That's all true. And so have you become close to saying something you regret or treating someone less politely than you might? I think I have come close to the latter. Uh, some, every once in a while, there'll be someone who just won't leave it alone and they continue to come back and they come back and uh, fortunately we have several people on council like Steve who draw the line before I have to so it's saved, it saved me uh, you know <laughs> you're from not mayor or mayor pro tem <laughs> exactly right. uh, Steve's, right. Steve's a good mayor he's a good uh, he runs a good meeting he runs he's a good meeting bright, bright thoughtful caring you know it, mm -hmm. it's for me it's been a pleasure to work with him never having worked with a governmental body before Let's talk about some of those things you've learned. I didn't think you had much to learn about Aspen. Aren't you've been here a long time? You've been involved with a lot of community issues as an attorney at, at Holland and Hart, mm -hmm. and so you've seen a lot of aspects of Aspen that others may not have seen uh, in terms of being an attorney. Some of them uh -huh. fascinating. Mm -hmm. When I, in the early years of my practicing law here, I mean, I was I was blessed to have some clients such as Pussy Pepke. Bobby Benedict and Fritz and Edgar Stern. You know, I helped him develop Starwood. And it was, these are just historic things. Right. But what wonderful experiences with marvelous people. Miss Pepke was an uh, outrageous woman. 
probably a book in that, right? I was pe I was Pussy Pepke's attorney. Here's what I know. I don't know. Statue of Ever Limitations ever run out on it? <laughs> uh, it's, it's one I wouldn't write. You know, I just wouldn't no, do it. No, I couldn't do it. No, no. You know, she let me in uh, to a lot of uh, conversations. And a lot you were the own. family attorney, right, in general? I mean, not just Pussy, but for the Well, I did, did some work for some other members of the family, mm -hmm. just as they did with the Benedicts. Mm -hmm. You know, they... I mean, I've represented the Benedict's children on a few things, and, mm -hmm. but Fabi and Fritz were <laughs> what a class act. Well, what fun people to meet with, I guess even, I'm, not, I'm sure not all meetings with an attorney are fun, but uh, I'll, I never saw Fritz in a bad mood, I don't think. No, I don't think I ever did either. Mm -hmm. And he had uh, this wonderfully subtle sense of humor that mm -hmm. if you kept your eye on him, you'd spot it every once in a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So what did you learn over the last four years? What surprised you, maybe, about the whole city council experience that you weren't expecting? One of the things I enjoyed the most was this: uh, is seeing this community from another perspective, um, from a, a broader, um, a wider, caring, and thoughtful perspective. You know, when you're just a, an individual, a member of the community, and maybe practicing some law, it's kind of a narrow focus. And so I very much enjoyed uh, seeing it from a broader. Uh, and, and you begin to uh, understand the issues confronting the community in a broader way, which kind of opens your mind, you know, and you get out of yourself and you get out into uh, what matters to this town. And uh, that's, that's just been, for me, um, healthy, enjoyable. I, lo I love the way this town operates. It's, it's a very deeply caring community in ways that many small towns I don't think have the same. closely when I lost my family and this town shows up. Right. Yeah. Right. So it's and been there for you personally, certainly, it, yeah. as a community. It, yeah. it just, for me, it made all the difference, and mm -hmm. it still does. Mm -hmm. um, but the town has an amazingly um, caring capacity to it. And I don't know how you develop that in a community, except unless it's just sort of an accumulation of individual character. It's an organic thing. Yeah, it's an organic thing. And uh, Well, sometimes I explain Aspen to people by saying, you know, we have the, the black sheep, all the black sheep from the best families in America are here. You know, we attract black sheep. We do. Um, we attract people, individual thinkers, I think. I think that's very true. Mm -hmm. And I love that characteristic of our town is that you can get marvelous thought processes uh, on any street corner. So it's made you less cynical, not more, not that you were cynical. Um, I've never been much of a cynic. Uh -huh. And so it, it, uh, if it did anything, it would have opened my appreciation uh, even more than I already had. Uh, cynicism's never been. Mm. They train, in some they train ways, journalists. In some ways, it can be a blessing. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Drop it. Um, I don't know. So I asked, I asked Ann and Steve this question, too, that sometimes the council seems a little contentious. There's sort of a, um, and I've talked to Bert about this, kind of a, a Bert Myron factor, because it's sort of a four-to-one dynamic. And, and so Bert has uh, yard signs up for um, Ward and, and Tory. Right? Right. So he's openly supporting um, incumbents or challengers to the two incumbents that are running, which is a hostile political act, if not, I wouldn't go so far to say it's, it's hostile, hostile personally, but it's, it's an overt political act of saying, yes, I want these two fellow council members that I'm serving with to be replaced by two people who aren't on the council. You wonder why? Yeah, what's up? I mean, I, I'd be just hazarding a guess, but I think you'd probably like to be, uh, to have some folks on that council that uh, speak his language a little more clearly than maybe we do. Who agree with him more, perhaps, in that's, basic terms. That's a way of putting mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm guessing. Mm -hmm. 
Bert doesn't have these conversations with us uh, personally. I mean, he and I, uh, as sitting council members, have gotten along pretty comfortably. And, you know, once we started acting together, watch, you know, understanding how the other operates, um, I, th I think I've worked pretty well with Bert, but it's, there's no question. He's a loner, uh, comes with his own agenda. Sometimes it's not so easy to read, but hey, that's what you know. Community councils are all about. They're not going to be all five people, single-minded, and maybe that's healthier overall for a, a body like a city council to have differences of views that uh, are held strongly. Um, yeah, it's pretty clear that he'd prefer to see. Uh, to other people come in and take Ann's place and I place. Uh, I would leave it to him to tell you why that is. Fair enough. Um, is it uncomfortable though on the council or is it, is it just part of the, you accept it as part of the dynamic? That's I accept it as part of the dynamic. There, mm -hmm. there are times when I think we could move um, a matter forward um, more effectively, more thoughtfully, you know, if. He took a little more, um, a little broader view of things. But then, as I said before, perhaps that's part of the balance. Right, right. You need. I'm sure it's productive from time to time of maybe raising something the others haven't thought of. I mean, one, one quote you gave to the Daily News I found interesting. You said, you know, I think this council's been operating pretty effectively, um, that you've been getting stuff done. Um, and then there's, there's no perfect road for that mm -hmm. one, as you well know. And, and I, I don't have a lot of background to compare it to, but I do feel that the council has, um, particularly in the last several years, has um, grown more effective, more collaborative. But its its perspective and its, its intention is sound, as far as I can tell. I really I respect the people on the council, and um, there's not. Not a lot of selfishness in the um, point of views, the positions that these council members bring to the table every once in a while. But, you know, it's generally uh, community-oriented, which is, uh, makes it more enjoyable for me, since that's what we're up there to do, is to make tomorrow a better day for this town than yesterday was. Well, I was going to say, whether you like the decisions that are being made or not, whether you agree with their outcomes, there are decisions being made. You, you have approved a police station and a new city hall and revised the land use code. And, um, and so there's things happening. You are getting stuff done. We are. There's no question. Now, this is a, um, yeah, it, it's a constructive group, including Bert. Mm -hmm. um, Everyone, I think, on the council uh, is doing his best to, uh, or most of us, to further the interests of the community and uh, try to keep things moving. This town has <laughs> never stagnated, never will. Right. And it needs continuing um, bright thought, and it needs to continually be um, informed and engaged with what's going on what's changing, what's coming. We, tr and we, try to, we try to learn those things. And uh, I know a lot more about how the community operates than I did three years ago, that's for sure. Right. Uh, like well, one issue that seemed to kind of divide the council and maybe required on a different level than four to one was um, what to do about the city office structure and whether we keep Armory Hall or whether we build a, the one roof facility. And I think it was a sort of a 3-2 split. Um, and it kind of came down to do we keep the armory building or do we use it as a community center? That's right. And as I understand, you were in favor of the one roof concept and let's transfer, let's go back to the original use of the armory or the secondary use because I guess it was built as an armory and then became a community center. Um, so you lost that one, I guess. I did. But, mm -hmm. uh, and it was interesting. I think kind of the swing on that was the mayor. He kind of. Um, he could have gone either way. He did mm -hmm. originally side with the view that I had. Um, and you can argue that, just like many things, for a long time. 
there, there are a lot of pros and cons to both sides of that. Um, I actually sat down with a, m a number of members of staff to try to get a sense of what's this going to mean to you guys to be in one building, be in two or three buildings. <clears throat> you know, what do you guys think's best? Um, anyway, staff wanted one building. That was the preference that I. I mean, it's pretty logical. Most staffers probably would. Yeah, uh, better energy. Mm -hmm. You know, easier um, to get stuff done. More civic-minded and this, and get more done. And uh, more collaboration, and a, and a sense of being together, working together, and that that um, influenced some of my thinking, because uh, I believe in that kind of thing. But I think this this result, um, this option, is probably going to work well too. You're okay with it now. It's I mean, sure. Well, once, once, what are you going to do? Once, right? you, yeah. once it's, it's two, three, <laughs> you go, well, let's right. get on board and make it better. Right. Uh, yeah. It's not, most of these things are not about my personal preferences. Um, you, have, you have your own instincts that tell you, oh, this might be better, this might be better. Um, but it's, for me, it's, it's not often, it doesn't touch my ego. Um, occasionally too often. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, and, and this development team um, is a good one. And the, the staff guys. And, uh, it's a good team. Well, that may be one of the bigger decisions the council made, which was to hire Jessica or promote her as, <laughs> yeah. as director. Who, she's, uh, she's a marvelous addition to the uh, ComDev. She really is. She's now the planning director. She's the planning director. Yeah, and it was I, interesting because uh, that was a fascinating moment. <laughs> I thought for the council of suddenly who the council was going to pick as a, as planning director became a, a a political decision almost for a while there, and which I thought was a little over the top. In other words, uh, I sort of felt like, well, I think we should let the council pick whoever they uh, or the city manager pick whoever they think is the best person for it. It's not really about. It's not a. Uh, it's not shouldn't be a position that dictates the the path the town is going to take. It's a, it's a technical position, ultimately. Yeah, it should technically. Be. Technically. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there, though. Uh, but you, yeah. you know as well as I do mm -hmm. how, how important that role is. It's a leadership role. Uh, she's not one person on a, on a group, in a staff group, but she's the leader. And she's turned out to have a, a very uh, good, str strong sense of how to run a department. And I, my sense is she's got a lot of collaboration over there, and they're, they're working pretty well together. Kind of plateful, a lot going on. Yeah, and that, hey, that works for the community. That's what this is all about. Um, so. so let's revisit another decision that comes up a lot when I talk to people about uh, how you feel the council is doing. And the, um, the old art museum building, the powerhouse decision and, and process comes up a lot. Um, people I talk to and they say, you know, it was kind of a bummer because they raised everybody's hopes and then they dashed them and decided to do nothing. And they fault the council for the process um, that ended up in that result. And you were there the whole time. That was one of the... I was. Um, so you got any thoughts on that? Any reflection? The end result was disappointing to me. Um, and I very much liked the direction we initially took, where we were heading, which was going to be, uh, you know, the brewery and the the upstairs incubator spaces, which I I'm still fascinated by. Um, but I, I really, rather than get into detail on it, uh, you know, the whole process got off track. And I, I don't really want to point any fingers, but I would say it was a responsibility of all parties involved. And uh, it, we, we tried to pull it back on track and to get some clear direction and get some decisions made and move the thing forward. And principles and objectives were changing. Um, and uh, it just, it reached a point where I and several others said, 
it's not working anymore. And uh, that was that was a, one of the tougher decisions I've been involved with. And uh, but I don't know, looking back, how I could have done it, how I could have decided differently, given. Uh, the evolution of the process and where the parties had gone. Well, I think it was an ambitious effort, and because I personally, as a citizen, I sort of thought that, well, the city has every right to say, thank you, we're getting our building back, and um, we're going to fix the building, then we're going to figure out what we're going to do with it, and we may well use it for office space, and, you know, it's all right, we own the building, and we'll figure it out. Uh, but instead, you said, okay, everybody, bring all your best thinking in. And so you invited... Um, Definitely did. So it certainly wasn't a, a pernicious effort. It was an opportunity, but it was a difficult. Ended up being a difficult thing for some reason. Um, yeah, it just for some some reason it just it didn't stay on course. Right. Right. And uh, there's no need to point any fingers at any any of the parties. Maybe we were all partly responsible for what happened. Mm. Um, then the other big project, which seems to have gone well, at least it's been under the radar, was the the most recent moratorium and then the revision of the land use code downtown. And I observed with when I was talking to the mayor that there's no better way to get a lot of people to leave the room than to say, okay, now we're going to dig into the details of the land use code. <laughs> That's like the least. We did that for a year. Yeah. And that uh, went pretty well, apparently. It went exceedingly well. It was well led by the staff. And, um, yeah, that of the things that we have um, managed to accomplish the last four years, that is probably one of the accomplishments I, I'm, I'm most proud of because I think it has a long-term beneficial impact on the town. We, we finally put our arms around all of the land use issues at one time, and so we could look at them uh, in kind of a context. And I really think, I mean, I'm sh there's few pieces here and there that we'll be working on. There always are. But I think this was a giant step forward for land use in Aspen. And it is a, um, it's a more conservative code than we had uh, several years ago. And was it just for the downtown core as opposed to the whole community? Was it well, it's about six different zones. Okay. Um, so it went beyond the downtown. Mixed use, mm -hmm. uh, CC, C1. Uh, and see, um, all of those were in part or all of the uh, amendment process. Um, so it was a substantial rewrite or adjustment? Significant. Mm -hmm. Really, you know, paragraph by paragraph. And uh, they, the uh, planning office had put together a good team. Um, and they always put it on the end of the agenda, right? So after some contentious public hearing, then it's like, okay, now we need to delve, ask you to delve into the most complex subject imaginable here at 10.30 at night or something, right? It seems how it always goes. Well, yeah, there was, there was probably some of that. Um, but I, uh, yeah, now, you know, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's something we're all proud of. And I think that it's going to have a very constructive long-range effect on planning for the development, redevelopment of our community. I mean, it's basically done, and the reason I say it was, seems to have gone well, it hasn't been challenged by a citizen referendum, and no, you haven't been sued about it. No. There's not a great deal of complaining going on from the development community. It seems like, like I said, it seems like it's gone relatively well. Um, I agree, and mm -hmm. I, I was, frankly, I was impressed with the, the approach, the reaction, whatever you want to say of the development of community during the process. They were actually quite patient. And you know, you got all that kind of money invested in your purchase contracts and all that. And yet they, um, they stood by and let us get our work done. Um, and now I'm sure the applications are pouring in. Because the moratorium has been lifted and- That's right. New rules are in place. New rules are in place. Mm -hmm. And- um, Well, the development community has said many times, look, just tell us what the rules are and be consistent about them, and we'll figure out what we're going to do. But don't change the rules on us as we go along. Don't change it in midstream. Right. That's fair enough. Right. And in, in a sense, we had to make some changes. But that's uh, why you call the moratorium. That's okay, why we call the moratorium. So it was to, right. yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I think the process went well. Mm -hmm. I think it's going to have a, as I said, a, a 
a serious long-term benefit for the community. I really do. So what's on your agenda? Is there some, some things you'd really like to accomplish if uh, the voters give you another four years? What would you, um, you have any grand ambitions? Not so much grand ambitions. I mean, the things that, the toughest issues for me, but the ones that seem to have the, the most significance, short and long term, are the ones that we're just now starting to grapple with, and that's you know, traffic, mobility, um, rapid transit, whether, whether we're going to have rapid transit or not. Um, and on the side, influencing all this, uh, of course, in a growing manner, is the constant movement of technology. And what's happening in, in, in the technology of mobility and um, automobiles, self-driving, uh, electric vehicles, um, less and less parking needs. That's gone right. from science fiction to reality in Palo Alto. That's exactly right. Very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of in the middle of that. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, sometimes I look around, it, it does feel like science fiction. Mm -hmm. You're reading articles that you don't understand half the words. i got to call my kids <laughs> in college. Would you interpret this one? Mm -hmm. um, i got one boy in Santa Clara, and he's you know, kind of right, right in the middle of it. Of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so that is an area that um, is that just a high tech gloss me. though on the on the entrance to Aspen conundrum. In other words, is it wishful thinking that somehow technology is going to help us solve that conundrum, or do you really think that maybe the answer does lie somewhere in there? All you can do is hope that it will have a more of an influence, more of a beneficial influence on that issue than we've been able to achieve over the past 30 years. Um, I'm hoping that sometime in the next 10 or 15 years, there's going to be a shift in our traffic patterns and we're going to reduce traffic flows into Aspen um, and make these issues easier to live with. I'm actually pleased that we haven't yet changed the end of Aspen, you know, as a, as a reaction. Um, it would have been easy to do it. Well, not easy, but it would have been one of those answers. Oh, let's, let's change this. I'm not sure it would have been the right thing. And the way things are shifting in our world, maybe it's good we didn't do anything dramatic yet. Well, it's interesting because some people view the S-curves as the ultimate traffic calming measure, um, right? And so it's there's precisely that. precisely what it is. <laughs> yeah. From one. Yeah. So. And we don't have a, a new four-lane across Marold yet. Hoping we won't, but um, you know the, these issues that we're talking about. Um, there are changes going on that are that are fairly dramatic in the, the whole marketplace and the whole way things are done. And um, I'm just relieved you can talk about it again because we went through the sort of eight-year period it seemed where the council didn't even want to talk about it, I couldn't know. talk about it. It's like, no, we're not going there. We're not talking about the entrance to Aspen. They were just tired. They we're, were exhausted by it. We're done. We, <laughs> yeah. it is, we have the entrance. We're done. You know, um, No one sort of declared it finished, but they basically said, there's no political will. We're not talking about That's it. Right. And now there's a little bit more, it seems, openness, and maybe that the mobility discussion is a little easier for people to begin talking about it. You're on the EOTC by virtue of being an elected official. Mm -hmm. And so... What was your response to the light rail study that was done? I have to say that I was a little disappointed that it seemed to start and end with the price tag. And I said, well, okay, it costs $500 million to build light rail from, from Brush Creek, but it costs $100 million to four-lane three miles of Snowmass Canyon. So it's not like the highway is free and it doesn't cost hundreds of millions of dollars as well. But it did seem to, it's like, well, that was quick. We had like a one-day discussion of light rail and the, Turned out there was a price tag, so now we're on to something else. Is that what it was like, or are we done with light rail? Well, that was quick. It, it went fast. <laughs> That's uh, all it took was a price tag? I think that uh, those studies are ongoing. There's no question. Um, and, you know, price tag was an eye-opener for, I think, everybody in the Valley. But then I think people are back digging in and continuing to look at alternatives for you know, the light rail alternatives, uh, how do our rights our right of ways look, and, uh, you know, what kind of an impact would it have in the rest of our valley, and the, the way we enjoy it, if we were to take over that 
corridor again with light rail. Well, I, I understood. I'm a little confused, I guess, a little out of touch maybe, that you know, I thought the, the bus rapid transit stations, the new bus stops that we built, are basically light rail stations, as I understand it. They're in the right place. They mm -hmm. were built to accommodate. They were built with light rail in mind, and they were built size-wise and location-wise to perhaps accommodate light rail. That's, is that wrong I, on that? You know, no, you know, I wasn't part of any of that real decision-making, mm -hmm. but that was kind of my understanding, too, that that was definitely one of the pieces of the design. Mm -hmm. um, how effectively that would work you know, for a, a system-wide light rail system, I don't know. Um, now, the study we're talking about is the one that the, the city council did approve a good deal of funding to, to do. Yes. And is that, is that study over, or is that just the initial phase of it? No, I mean, it's my understanding that study's ongoing. Okay. And, so there's um, more to come, maybe. Yeah. Okay. And, and I don't think we spent all that money yet. I mean, I guess I speak for everyone who sits in traffic out there that they would hope that the conversation's not over. Um, uh, it's, I don't think it's over. Okay. Uh, and I don't think we, the, the people that understand these things, I don't think they've really come to the decision-making point where they, where they go, well, are we going to try to buy this system, install it, uh, move our trails? It's a long uh, way off from that. Long way off from that. Mm -hmm. No, it's it's a um, as you've already pointed out, it's a very complicated. When question. I I'm, I confess, I live in Basalta, drive my Subaru to Aspen, so I am definitely part of the problem. In fact, sometimes I think you should just use me as the poster child. Like, what's it going to take to get Brent out of his car? Yeah. Uh, and the new uh, underpass in Basalt under the highway is certainly nice. I joke that they're building that just for me so I can walk from my house to the bus stop without having to wait at the traffic light on Highway 82. Uh, so have they started the process that. again cool. or are they yeah. still worried about the, uh, the, uh, the, concrete. the concrete? Well, I think they figured that out. Good. They've moved to the other side of the highway. so. <laughs> yeah. So there's hope that the tunnel's going to be done. Yeah. I hadn't heard the, the yeah. latest. Apparently they figured it out because they're still working on it. So. Um, so I think I see, I do ride the bus, and, and I do appreciate the system that's in place, and I think um, it's difficult maybe for many people who do to somehow get a voice and say, it's getting better and keep making it better. Build me a bathroom in a Starbucks at the Intercept lot, for example, or, or do everything you can on the list of things that might make it better, I think is what most bus riders would tell you. It's like, well, whatever you do, just keep doing it because it's getting better. It has gotten better. The BRT system is amazing in the sense that you don't have to catch the, the 815. You can just stumble out to the bus stop sometime after 8 and a bus comes, mm -hmm. and it's great. It takes a lot of the hassle out of it. Um, so I don't know if there's... That's what I guess I was kind of disappointed with. The, oh, there's a price tag on transit, so, okay, we're going to go talk about something else. So I guess I'm asking you, is there still energy on council, to well, it's it's there. Yeah, it's it's my understanding that there's still real energy, not just on council, but down the valley, up the valley, um, to continue to study this, um, because it's important that we, you know, we really understand it carefully and what our options are. Um, the money is just a piece of it. It was fascinating to me too is when we have the X Games and we, that's when we put the signs up on the highway and we call out the Colorado State Patrol and you know everyone park at Brush Creek and take the bus in, right? And then I laugh sometimes to myself that, well, it's like every day is a special event in Aspen at this point in terms of getting into Aspen. We have this horrific traffic jam every day. Maybe we need the signage and the state patrol every day. <laughs> it's a cluster I was wondering every if you weren't day. going in that direction. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brent, you got to pull over. Um, <laughs> yes. So uh, let's turn to another uh, fun, complicated, contentious issue, uh, and that's the storage rights uh, for Castle and Maroon Creek Reservoirs. The city council voted unanimously in October to file a new diligence application with the state. Um, and there's a lot of ways to frame that decision. Uh, one way is the city council was prudently protecting a city asset in the form of a conditional storage right. Uh, the opponents view it as um, maybe continuing the threat of a dam uh, in Castle and Maroon Creek. 
So I've been thinking about this. And I have the, here's the toughest question I could think to ask uh, all the incumbents who voted on this measure. Um, do you think in voting for that diligence application, you made it more or less likely that a dam might be built someday within view of the maroon belts? Well, to a degree, there's some guesswork in that. However, I think my, my instinct tells me that since that vote, the council has and, and the, the city and our water group have been more and more closely studying um, alternatives, as you well know. And I think that's the healthiest thing we could be doing today. Is for example, there's you know they're beginning to zero in on this in situ type of reservoir, which is sub subgrade. Um, from what little I read about it, could be a fascinating development. Particularly if you had two or three of them, you know. Um, but the the jury is out on all of these new ideas. Um, I mean, you've got the you get the mining tunnels. Um, if those things still hold water, um, pun intended. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, pun intended. Um, that one's always seen to me a, a little bit. I've been in those tunnels, uh, uh, and uh, it's the most fanciful, perhaps. Yeah, a little uh, fanciful, but uh, yet there are engineers who say there are ways to fix the issues and um, make these things really work for us. I don't know. But what we're talking about is alternative storage uh, locations, facilities, all of which um, are directed at creating alternatives to the uh, reservoirs on Castle and Run Creek Road. You know, it, I, I don't sense uh, very much interest on this council or any past councils to actually go in and build reservoirs. However, what we're struggling with is this huge unknown. What's the impact of climate change going to be? Suppose dramatic changes start to take place that even we don't anticipate. Long-term severe drought. Long-term severe drought problems. Uh, and we got a community we got to take care of. Um, I think really what this council and earlier councils have been trying to achieve is just um, keep our cards uh, close to our chest. And I don't mean to hi not hiding anything, but simply not giving up uh, any of our any of our cards, high or low, until we have much better answers to how are we going to meet these needs, whatever level they may hit us with. Uh, and, I, and I I continue to believe that the council has this council in that most recent decision has taken the right direction. What I like, what I'm seeing is there's finally some serious energy being applied to developing alternatives um, and beginning to study the uh, alternative uh, scenarios that could play out at our end of the valley. And I know this sounds, you know, kind of airy or not too uh, nailed down, but that's where we are. And I frankly prefer to have our options still open. Um, I don't think we're threatening anyone at this point with keeping those options open. Uh, but let's be sure we really know what our best choices are for providing for our future and all that range of uncertainties. Once we're there, then decisions can be made realistically about what do we do with these conditional rights. Are there, I'm not a water lawyer, are there alternatives for what we do with them? Um, are there trade-offs, are there, I don't know. Um, but I think building dams on those reservoirs uh, is, a, is a long ways off. 
Well, I love the poker analogy uh, because I think it's very apt and very easy to talk about it in those terms in the sense of um, the reservoirs, the conditional storage rights are sort of viewed as, as down cards, as cards in the hole, right? Maybe is mm -hmm. it an ace in the hole, right? We don't know the real value mm -hmm. of that. And, and I, I think one challenge in front of the city right now is do they know what that down card is? Uh, is that an ace or is it a four because of the potential difficulties in, in building those reservoirs? And what's the value of it now in the face of, of stiff opposition from federal government and the county, environmental groups, private landowners? Um, the city's going to get a good going over, if you will, in the water court process as to the value of those reservoirs. And so the city council know what it's got for a down card? Does it really know? If you're looking for alternatives to those reservoirs, do you yet know how much value those reservoirs have? You know, I don't, you know, if I were a part of our water team, I could probably answer that question better for you. Um, no, I don't think the, the council or even uh, the water group has the answers. The water utilities. Yeah, the water, water staff utility. there. Mm -hmm. The hard answers that you're wondering if they're out there, uh, I don't think they've yet been totally formulated, uh, studied, understood. But those, you know, the analysis is definitely um, picking up. We're putting more resources to work. We're studying more and more interesting alternatives. And, uh, and trying know, to define the need. It's, it's yeah. I've heard city officials say, which is, and I want to be the first to recognize, I understand how difficult this is for the city because it's a, the conditional water rights do represent a city asset, and in a way, there's no reason to fold early uh, in this equation. Um, but it's a it's a challenging, it's a really challenging thing to try and do openly as well, because there's this consensus building institute, consensus building institute that they just did a report for the city mm -hmm. that looked at this issue, and one of their findings was. A lot of the stakeholders have articulated that it's going to be a real challenge for the city to try and do an open, public, transparent process about what's the need and what are the alternatives and what's the value of the existing storage, right? And then also manage a contentious water court process mm -hmm. at the same time. I agree. It's going to be a big challenge. It's going to be a big challenge. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, what's the highest, best approach, do you think, the city can can take on this? I mean, um, is it just study at this point and just knowledge and, and getting the options out on the table? Is that the best thing at this point? Yes, I think it is. And I think we, but I'd like to see that the process is moving well now. I mean, it's, there, there's some momentum, energy behind it. And they're starting to come up with, as I understand it, a couple of ideas, alternatives, which might be viable. They're being more closely studied all the time. Um, and you and I don't know where that's all going to lead, but if it leads to, for example, uh, a, you know, a bit of a solution that says if we do this and this, build these things in these places, um, we can pretty much uh, develop the storage rights, the storage rights that we need, as best we can determine, without building these dams. Then you make some further decisions about the dams themselves and about the storage rights. And, you know, you don't make those decisions yet. And I, I think if you were in our shoes, you'd probably... Well, I'm sure you got taken behind, I'm not sure, but I imagine you got taken behind closed door and said, look, this is a city asset and you shouldn't abandon it lightly. And, uh, and filing is, is appropriate and ethically sound. Um, I'm sure those were certainly the recommendations we heard. Right. Yes. Yeah. As you would expect. But yeah. I think the city's been hearing those for, for years. But it's only been in recent years that there's been energy from all sides to hey, let's let's get this right. Right. Let's make some decisions uh, rather than just letting everything sit. Because I have been spending time going to the the South Platte Basin and the Arkansas Basin and talking to water providers over there and about the ongoing east-west slope struggle for mm -hmm. water. 
and a lot of people over there are enjoying watching Aspen squirm uh, on this issue because suddenly Aspen is being put in a, you know, officially you've told the state we intend to build these dams if necessary because that's what can the, and will we can and will do this and we're going to do it if we have to basically is the mm -hmm. and so there's people on the Arkansas basin who are interested in perhaps taking more water from the Colorado huh. River basin and say well okay there goes Aspen's moral high ground um, you know so the issue is has ramifications i think to Aspen's reputation statewide um, you got a sense of that at all Anyone called I, you from the Arkansas and said, hey, no, right, how's it going with that Maroon Creek Dam? No. I have many calls on it. My, uh, <laughs> my sense of that conversation, and I have not really been participating in it. I haven't talked to the Arkansas folks. Mm -hmm. uh, is that um, they'd love to see those rights freed up for someone else to put their hands on them. Although those rights themselves don't, if you walk away, someone would have to come in and file for a new 2017 or later water right. Yes. Right. It's not like, it's not like there's a right to build that if you no. give up, someone gets to come in and that's and true. Swoop, right. Okay. But there's, I hear, you know, from our water group that, you know, there are some real concerns about something like that happening. And then you really lost control of what's going to happen in those, you know. Right. In those basins. Um, Although the city does hold senior diversion yes. rights out there. You're in Catbird Seat on Castle and Maroon. And that right? is, uh, that's a big card. Yeah, that's a very big card. And that, that's mm -hmm. one, of the, one of the blessings. And that's not one of the cards we're talking about giving up. No. Though sometimes it seems in the conversation, it's easy for the city to say, well, we're just protecting our water rights. It's like, well, you have a large portfolio of water rights, and we're really talking about two conditional storage rights, storage which are different rights. than right. your senior diversion rights, which are not being threatened. Yeah. Right. And that's a, a very it's important, important to remember. It's a very important point. Yeah. I agree. Okay. Um, you know. Well, and I'll confess, my interest as a, as a, from a journalist is, is fascinating only because it's such a difficult, complex question that forces the city to make difficult decisions. And so... Um, Watching a public body go through that is fascinating. <laughs> if you were in our shoes, what would your next steps be? Um, I would suggest that you um, do a feasibility study on the reservoirs and figure out um, the viability of that option. Because you're defending an option, basically, that you're not sure you need. That we don't you're fully not understand. Sure can be built, and you don't know how expensive it is. Yeah. And so... To fall on your sword defending uh, an option that one you already find distasteful, uh, but it's almost like the city is afraid, or maybe it's there's some disadvantage to exploring it openly. But right now we're having this beauty contest of well, we could store water in mines or we could store it in the golf course, and we're going to look at all these storage options. But the two reservoirs aren't in the beauty pageant at all. They're not. We're not, at the same time, there's not a study that says, and we're going to take a real hard look at these reservoirs themselves and see if they're actually feasible. And the early scorecard is not favorable. The, the reservoir on Castle Creek is on some very expensive residential private mm -hmm. land. Mm -hmm. um, the one on Maroon Creek is probably morally uh, offensive to everybody involved who cares about asthma. As it should be. Right. And so it's an exquisitely difficult yes, circumstance. And I get that. But I think... In the end, if you're going to go in for study and transparency, you might as well look at those buckets and see if they're even possible. I guess the decisions that have been made so far, and mainly these, these are just choices made in the last few years, is what to move ahead with, what mm -hmm. to study next. Mm -hmm. uh, and the, the studies seem to be focused on alternative storage uh, systems. And that makes sense. Mm -hmm. uh, whether that should be the only you know, pursuit study Today, I don't know. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad we are looking at those alternatives more and more closely because we need answers about that. Right. You know, what's, what are the real options that we have mm. you know, in the future to deal with storing our water? Right. And then again, I do concede it's exquisitely difficult because so you're being asked to make these transparent discussions in a hostile environment, um, hostile it, legal it environment. It has heated up. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of people who um, want to see those things evaporate, uh, those water rights go away. Um, and so, so it's fascinating. So I appreciate Evaporation is a, 
a word that <laughs> concerns us. <laughs> right, and there's very little good news about climate. Uh, there's studies out that show it, it is worse than you thought. It's going to get hot and dry, and there's going to be less water overall, so deal with it. Um, That's right. certainly the, uh, the impression I get. From On the other hand, I don't yet sense that you know, for Aspen, it's maybe more of a concern of we may not be able to irrigate the golf course as opposed to we won't have drinking water, um, right? That we have a lot of water uses right now that are niceties, not necessities. We have people, large landowners on Red Mountain, apparently watering their lawns with city water. And so, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's, I don't think we quite know the, uh, the hierarchy of needs and how we're going to cut this back necessarily. It's another area potentially. That's another to area that's probably going to mm -hmm. take, going to be closely evaluated the next few years, and that is, you know, how are our water rights actually used? Well, then I joke and that, of course, I'm dams on them, but the maroon bells that the Aspen citizen might say, and then they say, but if I can't fill my hot tub, you know, I'd be really interested in discussing something. My neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, it, very complex right. questions. Right. right, right down to the individual level, individual household, and then mm -hmm. community level. Right, right, and then you've got the eastern slope. Right, indeed. Yeah, and there are some old plans on the books to stick tunnels to the in the top of Castle and Maroon and take the water over to the top of the Taylor River uh, on the Crested uh, Butte side, and then pump it over to the Arkansas. I'm sure there Nothing are. current, but yes, I'm sure there's some engineering plans out there that. Um, anyway, you know that's a and that. That's just one more really important piece of the whole puzzle is if, in fact, a decision is made to um, develop alternate reservoirs or storage uh, places, systems, then exactly how do we want to let go of or deal with these rights, these conditional rights? Where? Do they, do the, is there any sense that we should be protecting them from other uh, potential, you know? Well, I think a fascinating aspect of that is how flexible are they? How fungible are they? Can you, you know, trade them for a player to be named at a later date? In other words, if you it say... It would be nice to think so. <laughs> right, and it's unknown. And so if the city says, okay, so we want to maintain the conditional water rights with a 1965 priority date, and then we want to transfer that priority date to yeah. a new storage facility on the golf course. Mm -hmm. Well, that's going to take a water court process, and there's mm -hmm. going to be all sorts of people who say, no, I'm sorry, you don't get to do that. You can go ahead and build your storage under the golf course, but it's going to have a 2017 priority, or not a 65 priority. And so it's unknown as to sometimes city officials seem to describe those water rights as being very flexible and being very transferable and I think it's an unknown question as to I how do too that and that's kind of happens. where I was uh -huh. leading with this um, those are additional studies that we need to get right and you may never know until you try until you go through the process that so, is yeah you know and then it's it's it could become critically important if there is potential for some outside party third party eastern slope to come in file for new storage rights on those very locations and set out to build them. Although, if they, I imagine if they gave it a tough look, they'd say, those, that looks like a tough deal. Oh, no question. It's like an uphill climb. Um, oh, there's, so. there's no doubt about that. And they got to get the water to fill it. There's that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but anyway, I mean, these are just... Yeah, well, I appreciate you spending so much time on it. Um, I really do. It's, so. <laughs> um, it, it's a fascinating topic, but it's one that's really important. Yeah. You know, when you start thinking about, wow, geez, we're talking about uh, a community of people that depend upon water. Well, the other thing I've noticed in my reporting, apparently, and I'm still trying to nail this down, but it looks like it, the last time the city council approved a water management plan, uh, a comprehensive water management plan, was in 1993. And even that plan is marked draft. And and it's interesting, at the time, and I was here and I watched that process un unfold, the, the goal of that water plan at the time was, I think one of the purposes, was to um, articulate that 
while we may have very large senior water rights, we don't want that to be, we don't want those to fuel growth. That the 93 plan was, I think, very much written in a way to, there are statements in there that says, just because we have the water doesn't mean we should use it to fuel growth or mm -hmm. grow as a city. And so it's, it's a, I think a, that's one of my current um, questions I've posed to city officials is, now you're working on sort of a long-term water plan. Is that the same as updating this 1993 water management plan? Yeah. And so far the response has been, I don't know, it's a good question. I don't know if we'd set out to do that specifically, but we're almost there practically, so maybe that is what we're doing. So I guess we'll find that out um, too. Um, so no easy path. No, you know. So we only have a few minutes left, Art, so um, thanks again for spending an hour here. Um, I ought to give you a full, you know, opportunity to make your pitch as to why people should vote for you and, and what they can expect if they do and what you'd really, uh, oh. and if you have a campaign platform, uh, that was a good time to articulate it, I guess. I think a lot of it we just talked about. Mm, indeed. Uh, you know, I, it, it's, uh, it's not a complex um, matter when, you know, why do, why do I, I want to throw in with this again? We talked about it in the beginning. Mm. Um, I've learned a lot. Mm -hmm. I know the community better than I used to. And I, I think maybe uh, I owe it to the community and to myself to put that to work and to reap some of the benefits of what I've learned for the next four years. You want to just keep doing the public service you've been doing? I do. Mm -hmm. And now that, uh, you know, I'm retiring from the practice of law after 50 years. Fully stepping, fully stepping away. In the next several months, I will be have fully stepped away. Okay. But I'm, not, I'm no longer a partner with Holland and Hart. Mm -hmm. I retired at the end of the year mm -hmm. as a partner, stayed on and of council capacity. I'm handling some wrap-up client matters, mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I'm. Uh, I'm, no, I'm not no longer going to be entangled with. Clients, client matters. Um, That's kept you from voting on Gorsuch House, for example. It has, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and um, that will be revisited. Uh, my once you're clear, once I'm clear, mm -hmm. and um, you know, my the first thing I'm going to do. I mean, once I reach that point, if I'm reelected, mm -hmm. uh, is go to Jim True and have him take a look at what the charter says about mm -hmm. my voting responsibilities. Uh, when I'm no longer conflicted. Right. I don't have the answer to that, but mm -hmm. that's the question I want answered. Well, I think from a, it's good to know that. I mean, from a public standpoint, if uh, you'll be more available for public service, not less. Uh, that's, I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. Mm -hmm. And, you know, for example, the Gorsuch House matter, it clearly deserves a full council. Right. When the voting uh, begins, uh, Seriously, if it, get does, if it does. <laughs> coming down to coming down to you know, right. making decisions, right? right. Uh, and no, so I'm I'm hopeful that uh, I will find myself with a much more clear playing field. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, Jim True and I've had discussions about it, but there's a process to de to define that. Well, it's just a matter of yeah, evaluating it, mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. uh, um, I, I frankly I have a I have a high level of confidence that. We'll be able to move forward. You'll be citizen at large, or daily citizen at large. Correct. Soon enough. Uh -huh. right. That right. and that would that would be the position I'd like to be in. Right. Um, and just free of uh, conflict. Well, I think you deserve a great deal of credit for not gaining that freedom and then immediately using it to go to Mexico or something, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and wanting to still burden yourself with public service. So, so, so good on you. There was uh, a certain temptation <laughs> to, to that uh, six weeks ago. Oh, I, I, I can't do that. Right. You know, right. Uh, hey, the truth of the matter is I've got three children that have been raised here, and two are still in college. And, um, this is a, uh, an extraordinary community. I've seen it from more perspectives than many people have. And um, uh, I owe it a lot. Fair enough. Well, good luck in the campaign, and thanks for your public service. Appreciate thanks, buddy. It. Okay. Enjoy the conversation with you. Thank you.
Grassroots Community Network's 2017 Aspen City Council candidate and election coverage is made possible by a grant from the Thrift Shop of Aspen, where your donations and purchases of clothing and other personal items supports dozens of nonprofits throughout the Roaring Fork Valley. Underwriting for Grassroots ProBlind series of in-depth candidate discussions is provided by A&B Bank Aspen, a bank like no other, with the strength, talent, commitment, and security to fulfill their business and personal customers' financial needs. A special thanks to Aspen Journalism for partnering with Grassroots on ProBlind, because well-informed citizens make better decisions. Discover more local, in-depth investigative journalism at aspenjournalism.org. It is simple to join these local institutions in supporting grassroots programming. Click the Donate button on your next visit to grassrootstv.org. You can watch this program and thousands of other grassroots programs online at grassrootstv.org, as well as on Cable Channel 12, Up Valley, Cable Channel 82, Down Valley, and Free TV Channel 12.1, over the Picking County Translator System. Or find a podcast of this discussion and many other informative and inspiring local presentations by clicking the iTunes or SoundCloud icons at the top of grassrootstv.org homepage.